0: Welcome to this podcast message from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Colossians 3:3, you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And what the Lord wants to do for us this week is reveal to us really what that means so that that truth is expressed in our lives. And we really are living the lives of those whose lives are hidden with Christ in God. And uh, this is the my standard visual aid, your spirit, your soul, that is your self-life, and your body. Now... When Paul is writing this letter, he's writing to a church that is in chaos. The church of Corinth at this time was really quite ungodly in many of the things that were happening. There was division, party, factions, there was a lot of deception, there was Sexual immorality that was allowed to go on uncorrected. There was a lack of submission to authority. You name the problem and it seemed to be happening in Corinth. And one of the reasons, of course, why Paul is writing this letter is to answer a lot of the questions that the elders of Corinth had written to him about. They needed some answers, and Paul needed to see the order of God reestablished in this church. So where does he start? He starts with the truth. He doesn't start by addressing the problems. He doesn't start to talk about what even needs to happen among them in order to bring things back into God's order. He starts with the revelation of the truth of what God has done for them in Christ. So he says to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, Whatever that means, we'll see in a moment. But he also is writing to all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So this letter is actually addressed to us. It's addressed to Horsham because Horsham is part of everywhere. And that's because what Paul is doing is not revealing to the Corinthians something that is unusual and special that God wants to do in the church in Corinth. But he wants to see God's order in the church and that order is the same everywhere. That the truth of what God has done for us in Christ, is applicable to every church, everywhere, to all of God's people, everywhere. So he wants to see them coming into the order that God wants for all believers. Therefore, he wants for us. So God is addressing us as believers here in Horsham and describing us as those sanctified in Christ Jesus, made holy. He's not saying that uh, the recipients of this revelation of truth need to become holy, he says they have already been made holy. That is something that God has already done for them as believers. Now, as you read further on, In the epistle, it's quite clear that the Christians there at that time were not living sanctified lives. They were not working out that holiness in their lives. But God does not ask us to become holy because there's no way in which we could become holy. This is your spirit. And as a believer, in your spirit, there is the Holy Spirit. When you were born again, the Holy Spirit brought your spirit to life. And we saw this morning that if the Holy Spirit is within us, Christ is in us the hope of glory, because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit not of the Jesus who walked on the earth, but of the crucified, risen, ascended, and glorified Christ. So the glorified Christ lives in you, in your spirit, We saw also this morning that Jesus says the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God is within us, within believers. The Father has chosen to give us his kingdom and that kingdom is not a matter of talk but of power. That kingdom is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So in your spirit, in the innermost part of your being, there is the Holy Spirit, there is the glorified Christ, and there is all the life and power and authority of his kingdom. All that is already within you, within your spirit. Now, the only way that God has of communicating to you is through your spirit. Not through your soul, not through your body, because he is spirit. Because he is spirit, he communicates spiritually through the Holy Spirit in your spirit. So everything that God works out in our lives, he works out from within you, never from outside of you. Which is why if you read the scriptures and try to put them into practice in your own strength, you will inevitably and always fail. Because even the word of God can only be outworked and expressed in our lives through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes those words, declares them to us, makes them revelation. We hear God the voice of God. The Holy Spirit makes the written word, the voice of God, to you. Now, in your soul life, your self-life, Jesus says there's nothing good. There is nothing good about your self-life. Apart from him, as far as God is concerned, Your self-life can do nothing. The point is that if you have all these riches and resources within you, what God is expecting of you and of every believer is that your soul life, your natural life, your self-life will be so submitted to him that his life in the Spirit is what will be operating in your soul. That the life he has put within you will therefore be the life that is expressed in your soul, not your natural life, but his life in your natural life. In other words, excuse me, what you do in your soul life is actually express the life of the spirit, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, because your body has embodies, if you like, both your spirit and your soul. So this life that God has put into your spirit is to impact your soul so that it impacts your body the things that you say, the things that you do. So the scripture says, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So Paul is saying, in this scripture we've just read in 1 Corinthians, you have been sanctified. That means you have been one of those Chosen by God, set apart by God, for God, for your spirit, to possess him. Now, why Jesus says that the kingdom is within you is because if Christ is in you, That is because God's purpose is that he should establish his throne in your life. That he will be enthroned in your spirit. Because if he is enthroned in your life, then his rule and his reign will be exercised over your natural life, in your natural life, and through your natural life so that even your body reflects that holy life that God has put within you. Now, you see, what was wrong, going wrong in Corinth was that although they had all these great riches in their spirits, they were living soulish lives self-centered lives. The stuff that was actually going on was of the soul, not the spirit. This was actually a constant challenge in the New Testament church. The spirit of God was obviously moving very, very powerfully as new churches were established and the kingdom of God was being extended so rapidly. The challenge was that Many began with the Spirit, but then reverted to the soul. For a while, when they were first born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, they were really moving in the life and the power of God. But then their own soulish desires and and problems emerged again. And so instead of keeping their focus on Jesus, instead of keep walking in the truth, They began to look at themselves and look at one another and be concerned about themselves and be critical of one another. The same problem was in Galatians, in in Galatia. So when Paul's writing to the Galatians, he says, you foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell upon you? You began so well. You began by walking in the Spirit. You began by living in the good of what Jesus Christ crucified had done for you and made possible because all this is only possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. Who has cast a spell upon you so that instead of living Christ-centered spiritual lives, you have gone back to soulish life? Some of you have gone back to the law. Some of you have gone back to a misuse of your freedom in the way in which you are living your lives. Sin, not righteousness. Actually, the, if you translate the Greek Paul is saying, who has bewitched you? Who has put you under a curse that you should have deserted the truth? So it wasn't just in Corinth that this problem of needing to keep walking in the spirit, living in the good, of what God has done for us. Paul was discovering that this was a universal problem in the church then, as it is now. For it would probably be true to say that there are more church-going people that live a soulish life rather than a spiritual life. That's probably just a matter of fact. It's not a matter said in any sense of judgment. But what God wants, of course, what he needs, is a spiritual people, which is why he has given us a spiritual birth and why he wants our lives to be filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit. See, if you're baptized in the Spirit, your soul and your body even are submerged, drenched in the Spirit of God. So that which you received in your new birth, in your spirit, gets released through your soul and your body. And that's why when people are first baptized in the spirit, they seem to move with God and have faith in God and see such great things happening for a while. People often refer to that as the honeymoon period. Everything seems to be so wonderful and so good and so easy. But what happens then? The soul begins to reassert itself. The self again wants its way. People look at themselves instead of Jesus. They talk about themselves. They pray about themselves. They pray about their problems, which is soulish prayer. It's not spiritual prayer. Spiritual prayer is like everything of the spirit. It begins with the spirit doesn 't begin with the soul. so <clears throat> this is the continual battle that even Paul was uh, having to to deal with, and there were even in, in Corinth there were even people that Paul describes as super apostles, false apostles. People who were actually encouraging the very things that were contradictory to the purpose of God. Like many in the super grace movement today, they were encouraging people to believe that all God wants is for you to have a happy life, and for God to give you all that you want. In other words, these false apostles criticized Paul. They considered themselves better than Paul. But Paul was the one who was holding on to the truth. Whereas these other guys, you see, were preaching something that was popular. And there are a lot of popular churches today. You can have a big popular church that is not actually living in the spirit. Because everything that is happening is aimed at pleasing the soul, pleasing people. And this is why Paul said, If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. If if I was giving the impression that God wants to please and to satisfy your soul life, I would not be a servant of Christ. Because as we saw this morning, God's whole purpose is for us to lose the soul. To bring the soul right under the dominion, under the rule and the reign of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I often say in leaders' uh, seminars that leaders have one of two options. They can either please God and displease the people, or they can please the people and displease God. Those are the options. You can preach to be popular, you can preach to get a popular message, or you can be faithful and true to the Word of God and preach the whole counsel of God. And in Acts 20, we have Paul giving an account to the Ephesian elders of his ministry when he was on the way to Jerusalem, where, of course, later he would be arrested and then sent to Rome and so on. And what he could testify to those Ephesian elders is, you know that I have been faithful in preaching the whole counsel of God's word. I have not held back from saying anything that you needed to hear. I preached that to you, and I even went from house to house. Whatever I was doing in one-to-one was always the truth of what God has accomplished for you in Christ. Now, we are a spiritual church here. Thank you for your affirmation. God is (laughs) calling us to be a spiritual people, not a soulish people. Never mind what is happening anywhere else. We need just to be concerned about what God is doing here amongst us. What's the difference? Well, that which is soulish begins with the soul. That which is spiritual begins with the spirit. The Holy Spirit within your spirit. So you can have soulish faith. Many, many people wonder why their prayers aren't getting answered because actually they're praying with soulish faith, praying soulish prayers with soulish faith. There's no revelation. The the, the soul does not receive revelation except through the Spirit. When we pray in the Spirit, we can receive revelation from God as to what to pray, what to believe, what God is saying He is going to to do or he desires to do in the circumstances in which we pray. When you pray from the soul, you're trying to tell God what he ought to do, what you think with your mind, with your understanding of the situation, what you believe it's right for him to do. That prayer is ineffective. God says, just a minute, who's boss, you or me? Let me tell you what to do. Don't you try to tell me what to do. You remember the one time when Peter tried to tell Jesus what to do, Jesus looked him in the eye and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're on the side of man, not of God. So it's not a very good idea to try to tell God what to do. Faith believes what God has done for us in Christ. Faith believes what God has given us in Christ. Faith lays hold of this life of this inheritance of the riches that we have so that they can then impact the soul and the body and flow out of us as rivers of living water. Amen? That's the spiritual people. That's the people that God has called us to be. So, here in 1 Corinthians, Paul addressing us together with the church in Corinth, speaking to you, saying, you are sanctified. Not you need to be sanctified, not you've got to do something in order to be sanctified. You are sanctified in Christ Jesus. the The point is this. God has taken hold of you as a believer and put you into Christ. Now, think Is it even reasonable to suggest that you could have anyone in Christ who is not holy? Could you have anything or anyone in Christ that is not holy? Christ, by his very nature, is holy. So before anybody could be put into Christ, they had to be made holy. Which is why Jesus went to the cross. Why he took us with him so we were crucified. The unholy lives that we had as sinners before we were born again was crucified and put to death. And God gave us a new life. What's that new life? It's the holy life. It's the sanctified life. It's the life of Christ within. It's the life of the spirit of holiness within. It's the life of the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So you see, even to these Corinthian believers whose lives were in a total mess, Paul is bringing them back to the truth. You are sanctified. He's saying, you clowns, what are you doing? What are you doing in your soul life? You're holy. You're sanctified. You've been set apart by God for God's purposes. That's why you're saved. He has paid the price for you with his blood. He has purified you. Made you as totally acceptable in God's sight as Jesus himself. What do you think you're doing? You're not working out your salvation with fear and trembling. As he says to the Galatians, who has bewitched you? It's as if you're living under curse when Jesus died on the cross to set you free from everything that could be cursed in your life. So he brings them back to the truth. Now, sanctified and called to be holy. So that holiness, that sanctification that is in your spirit... That Christ-likeness, because it is the life of Christ himself, that Christ-likeness now is to be transferred, is to be expressed in your soul life and even in your body so that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God because you're sanctified. The devil is the liar, deceiver. He is the opponent of the truth. He wants you to look at yourself and your failings and, and, and your feelings and your emotions and your circumstances. And he says, it might be true of others, but it cannot be true of you. Just look at what is going on in your soul life. How can you be holy? How can you be Christ-like? How can you be so acceptable to God as Jesus is? He opposes the word. Look at yourself. Whereas, what does the scripture say? Fix your eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of your faith. Why? Because we're called to live by faith. And the only way to live by faith is to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. As soon as your eyes are on yourself, you stop walking by faith. My sheep, know my voice and follow me. You can only follow the one that you're looking at. You Can't follow Jesus by looking back. You can't even follow Jesus by looking in. You can only follow Jesus by looking at him. I'll be getting this. I should begin preaching in a minute. So... Let's see what Paul goes on to say. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's his usual greeting. Grace, because all this is the work of grace. It's by grace God has given you his spirit. By grace God has given you a new life. By grace God has put his kingdom within you. By grace... Christ is in you, the hope of glory. It's all by grace. It's not because of anything you have done with your natural life. All you ever did was to turn your life over to him so he could give you a new life. Forgive your sins. Crucify that old life. Put it to death. Buried with him in baptism. So that now you are free, not only to have a new life, but to live a new life. And as your soul expresses the life of the Spirit, so you have peace with God. What does the Scripture say? That those who live in peace are those whose minds are fixed on Christ. You'll find no peace looking at yourself. (coughs) Hello? That's the quickest way to lose peace. Mm -hmm. So the scripture says, He is our peace. So now, what does he say? After that, I always thank God for you. (laughs) I mean, here is this church that is a major, major problem at this time. And And Paul says, I thank God for you. Why? Because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Now, it's quite clear from the problems that they have that they're not living by grace. They're not living in that grace. But still, that grace is theirs because of what God has imparted to them in their spirit. So I always thank God for you. Why? Because, you know, the devil can't take out of your spirit what God has put there. He might deceive you. He might lead you astray. He might get you to fix your eyes on yourself and your feelings and your emotions and your problems and your sicknesses and your needs. But he cannot steal what God has done. All he can do is try to deceive you into putting your focus in the wrong place so you don't live in the good of what he's done. Hallelujah. So I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ. Now look, look at verse 5. For in him, you, you foolish Galatians, you foolish Corinthians, you are not walking in the will of God. But the truth is, in him, and here is your life in him, not the soul, not the Here is your life in him, the spirit. In him, you have been enriched in every way. Not you need to be or you will be or if you only repent and do this, that and the other, then God will enrich you. No! You have been enriched in every way. I mean... You must have been enriched in every way if Christ is in you, if the kingdom is within you, if the sovereign rule and reign of God is within you, you have been enriched in every way. If the fullness of God's spirit is in you, you have been enriched in every way. So as Paul says to the Ephesians, God has blessed you in Christ. Here is your life in Christ. God has blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's all yours already. All the blessings of heaven, all the fullness of the life of Christ, enriched in every way. This is one of the 50 scriptures I speak over my life every day. You have been enriched in every way, in all your speech. Who? Oh! Wait a minute, the speech comes out of the soul. So what's he saying? God has enriched you in every way, so everything you can say will reflect the truth of how he has enriched you. You won't speak negatively about yourself, about your situation, about your circumstances. You will rejoice in the Lord always because he has enriched you in every way in all your speech and all your knowledge. Your knowledge of what? Your knowledge of him. Your knowledge of the gospel. Your knowledge of what he's done for you in Christ. He has enriched you in every way in all your speech and all your knowledge. So why are you saying things that are critical and judgmental of one another? Why are there divisions amongst you? Why is there immorality going on when you know that's not the will of God? But you see, he doesn't say you need to be enriched. He said God has enriched you in every way. In all your speech and all your knowledge, you can see how soulish many Christians are. Even when they pray. Because there's so much of self. So little of him. God has been dealing with us in the last few months about that, hasn't he? So we come in here now and everything takes off immediately because all the focus is on him. Not on ourselves. So praise God for that. So in Him, in Him, in Him, in your spirit, in Him, you have been enriched in every way. You see, if I believe that, I can't speak about myself as lacking anything. I don't believe I've been enriched in every way if I speak of lack and need. I'm denying the truth, and I'm praying in a denial of the truth. How can God answer that? How can that be praying with faith? And Jesus says, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer if you believe. If you believe what? If you believe the answer? No, if you believe the truth. If you believe the truth, then you see the answer. So if you live in me and my words live in you, ask whatever you want and it will be given you. Why? Because my words are living in you. My truth is living in you. You believe what I've done. You believe what I've given you. You believe the revelation of God's truth. So you can have anything you want when you pray in the revelation. Of this fullness of life that is yours in Christ. So, verse seven. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. Amen. I If Christ is in you, if the Spirit is within you, if the kingdom is within you, how can you lack any spiritual gift? How can you say, I don't have this gift or I don't have that gift? The gift is within you. The gift is the Holy Spirit and the Spirit is the person of God. And and he doesn't come in bits and pieces. He comes in his person. Yes. And all the gifts that belong to that person are yours. Yes. Hallelujah. Whew. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you, easily awa- as you eagerly await the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Now, we were talking this morning about how the scripture says, how Paul prays to the Ephesians and the Colossians that they will be made strong in their spirit. Weak in their soul life, but strong in the spirit. And remember, it was in the second letter to Corinthians that Paul records what Jesus said to him. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. When you recognize how weak and useless, absolutely useless your natural soul life is, so that you depend upon the Spirit, then you find my grace is always sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. But if you try to make your soul strong, you're being counterproductive to the very will and purpose of God. He doesn't want you to have a strong soul life. He you your soul life to be weak so that the life of the Spirit can be revealed through your soul. So Paul said, ah, now I understand. In that case, I will boast about my weakness that the power of God may rest upon me. See, sometimes we're tempted to try to be strong. I've got to be stronger. No! I've got to remain weak so that my trust is in him. He is my strength. He is the strength of my life, as the scripture says, and my portion forever. Oh, I love it. Hallelujah. So... He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord. When you have to face the Lord on the day of judgment, you will be blameless. Why? Because of all the truth of who you are in the Spirit. He will keep you blameless to the end, Paul says elsewhere. You can only be kept blameless because he's made you blameless. Uh, We learned all that last term with the blood. Hallelujah. God who has called you. I'm having a good time. Anybody else having a good time? Right. God has called you into fellowship with his son. You cannot have fellowship with your soul. Why? Because he is spirit. The only way to have fellowship with him is in your spirit. Your spirit made one with his spirit. Fellowship is the sharing of life. You share your life with him in the spirit. Your natural life doesn't have fellowship with him. Your supernatural life in the spirit has fellowship with him. You share his life. And he has come to live in you to share your life. Fellowship. Amen? The only way in which we can really have fellowship with one another is in the spirit, not just in the na- In the natural. You know, I've I've traveled all over the world preaching the gospel and so you go into many, many different situations and cultures but I'm immediately at one with the other believers there. I've never met them. They may worship in a totally different way. They may express their faith in different ways culturally but you're immediately one with them because of the fellowship in the Spirit. Soul lives, you see, may be totally different in style, but in the spirit, we're one. And I, I can remember saying to the Lord, Oh, Lord, you have such lovely people everywhere, all over the world. And He said, He said to me, Well, they weren't lovely before I saved them. And you see, that's the point. He makes the unlovely lovely. Uh huh. Lovely in his eyes. What is lovely in his eyes is the truth, because he is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Are we there? Our fellowship is in the spirit. Uh huh. It's not just having a cup of coffee and a chat. We are one in the Spirit. So, you see, Paul says in verse 10, this is beginning to address one of the problems, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. Why? Because you all have the same life. You all have the same Lord. You all have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You all have the same kingdom within you. So that you all agree with one another, so that there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Why? Because here you have the mind of Christ, here you have your natural mind. And you see, because they were living soulish lives, their natural minds were in (laughs) conflict with one another. Whereas if they'd been walking in the Spirit, their minds would have been in agreement. You see, there can be no union, unity, or agreement outside of the spirit, outside of the truth. People can sort of exist, coexist with one another, but they can't really be one except in the spirit. Are we getting this? Now, all this has been made possible through the cross. So Paul says in verse 18. Oh, well, let's look at verse 17 first. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So let's go back to that verse, Colossians 3.3. You have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When did you die? When you were crucified with Christ. When he went to the cross, he took you to the cross So the person you were, the one that was born into this world, no longer exists. The cross overcame all sin, all sickness, Satan. It actually overcame death and the resurrection proved that Jesus' death overcame the power of death. So we're living in the good of the cross. For it is written, verse 19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. These are the worldly wise, the clever guys, you know. (laughs) The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Some of these people that are proclaimed to be such brilliant people in God's eyes are foolish because they say there's no God. Political leaders who are not believers think they have such a grasp on what needs to happen in society. God says they're foolish because they say there's no God. God has a different perspective on things, doesn't he? Are you breathing? For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Why? Because we are told to have the wisdom that comes from above. And the wisdom that comes from above doesn't come to your soul. It comes to your spirit through the revelation of the word of God made alive by the spirit of God. And the wisdom that comes from above, James says, is first of all pure. It's holy. God's holy wisdom. Hallelujah. So I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. doesn't matter how clever you are. Your cleverness can never get you into the kingdom of God. Only faith in Jesus can do that. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. So it's not all your soul knowledge that has any bearing upon your status before God. It's only your spiritual knowledge. And God has enriched you in every way in all your speech and knowledge of him and of what he's done for you. Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ, crucified. Why? Because we were crucified with him. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Even those who are not yet strong in their spirit, weak in their spirit, because... You know, they they don't live in dependence upon the spirit in the way God intends. Even the weakness of their spirit is stronger, is more powerful than their soul life. Because the spirit is so much more powerful than the soul. So, verse 26. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Doesn't mean that you remain foolish. The world will think you're foolish for believing in God. But God chose the weak thing. Hey. Weak to shame the strong. Why? Because when we know we're weak, then we can be strong. Because his grace is sufficient for us. So God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. Now, He's building up towards this revelation in in verse 30. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus. God absolutely nothing to do with any of your qualities because God looked upon your life and He couldn't see anything good. That's why Jesus said, No one is good except God alone. He couldn't see anything good about your natural life. He still can't see anything good about your natural life except that which reflects the life of his spirit. So he is our wisdom from God. Our righteousness. What does that mean? You have no Righteousness of your own, absolutely none. Self-righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. Thinking that you are righteous is filthy rags, unclean rags. Because he is your So where is your true righteousness? In your spirit, not in your soul. So how can you live a life that is right before God? Only by depending upon the spirit. Never by depending upon yourself. So what what does it mean to do what is right? Well, to do what God says. That's always right. It's never wrong to do what God says. Mm -hmm. But when you put the soul at the center of your decision-making, you're beginning to walk in unrighteousness. That's not righteous. In God's eyes, that's not righteous. Because your righteousness is in him. So he's the governor, he's the boss, he's the Lord. This is called the good news. It's the gospel. As we saw this morning, you see, it's the gospel because God wants the very best for us. But the best is in him, never in yourself. You're a disaster area. But Jesus, Jesus is the success story. And as you trust in Jesus, he transforms your soul life. transforms you more and more into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. So, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness. (laughs) Go back to what we saw right at the beginning of the chapter, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. He is your holiness. Called to be holy in your soul life and in what you do with your body so that his life will flow out of you. So, all that depends upon trusting in his holiness within you. What does holiness look like in practice? What is Christ-likeness? Who who lived the holy life here on earth? Well, Jesus Christ. So, how how can we be like him? Not by trying to be like him. Not, Not by trying to imitate him but only by trusting in his spirit, in his presence, in his kingdom, life and power and authority that is within us. Wow. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? I think there's so many born-again, spirit-filled Christians out there and they're not living out of their spirit. They're living so much out of their soul still. Just like the Corinthians. I mean, they may not have all the problems that the Corinthians have, Just like the Galatians, they may not have all the problems that the Galatians have, but still living out of their soul rather than out of the spirit. So aren't we blessed that God gives us revelation and knowledge of the truth so we can live and walk according to the truth? Amen. Listen, a spiritual people will pray, soulish people. They struggle when it comes to prayer, if they pray at all. It's pretty superficial and cursory. But spiritual people know their dependence upon the Lord, and they pray. This is why Paul says, you know, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, if, if you submit your soul life, your natural life to the Spirit, you'll always be rejoicing because you have all this wealth. You're enriched in every way. You lack no spiritual gift. So you rejoice. It doesn't matter what's happening in your soul. It doesn't matter what's happening to you. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. You rejoice because Christ is in you. Because his spirit is within you. Because his kingdom is within you. And His kingdom and his life and his power is so much more powerful than whatever is going on around you. Whatever is being done to you. So you rejoice. And you've heard me say many times, joy is the barometer of your faith. As soon as you've stopped rejoicing, you've stopped walking by faith. You see, as soon as you stop rejoicing, you're no longer dependent upon the Spirit. Now you're dependent upon yourself. It's, it's just like a telltale, you know, like a barometer tells you what the, spiritual, what, what the pressure is, is, is like in the world around you. So, Faith is a, uh, joy is a spiritual barometer. It shows you the pressure of your faith. That's why, Paul says, rejoice always. And again I say, rejoice. Be joyful in all things. Why? Because when you're joyful, you're walking by faith. doesn't matter the challenges, doesn't matter the difficulties, doesn't matter what you're having to face. You rejoice. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, and you don't make yourself rejoice. You spontaneously respond to what is happening with joy. You know, I can remember when I was diagnosed with dangerous disease, quite unexpectedly, but I can remember coming out of a doctor's surgery, was up in Harley Street in in London and walking along Harley Street and I was so happy. I was rejoicing, I was praising God. Really, genuinely. That was my spontaneous reaction to the news because I was confident in the Lord. I knew that no matter what the diagnosis or prognosis was, (laughs) I knew what the result was going to be, see? But the joy is a barometer of a faith. When we become all despondent, it's because what we've done is to allow the negative that is in our soul to get into the spirit. You see, just as the spirit can impact the soul, so the soul can impact your spirit. You can have what, what the scripture calls a crushed spirit. It says in, in Isaiah 53, when talking about what Jesus accomplished on the cross, that he was crushed in his spirit in order to save and deliver us from being crushed in our spirits. And and, and you know... If, when people have a crushed spirit, they can't function properly in the spirit, even though, even though they're believers, even though they have all these riches in their spirit. They've allowed something negative in. And sometimes, you know, when people are sick, they've got to get the negativity out of their spirit before they get it out of their body. Praise God. Oh, he is so good. He is so good. His mercies endure forever. Therefore, verse 31, therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We've got nothing to boast about in our soulishness. doesn't matter how clever, how intellectual, how how knowledgeable we think we are of spiritual things. God hasn't brought you here to Bible school just to fill you with knowledge. but that you will have the knowledge that then will impact your life. You will live the truth, not just know the truth. So we're going to pray in a moment. What are we going to pray? How can we pray in response to this law? Well, obviously, we're going to start by giving thanks for the truth. Every day. Every day you have to give thanks for this, for what God has given you in the Spirit. Every day be thankful for the fullness of the Spirit. Every day thankful that Christ lives in you. Every day thankful that the kingdom is within you, that all the life and the power and the authority of the kingdom has been given to you so that Jesus Christ can rule and reign over your soul, life, and body, flow out of your life and bear much fruit for his glory. Oh, always give thanks. Always give thanks, the scripture says. For this is the will of God for you, in Christ Jesus. See, if you're not giving thanks, you're not living in the revelation of it. You might know it, but you parked it. You have you've, you've filed it. But while you're giving thanks, it's it's active. The truth is active. And every day of your life you need to begin by giving thanks to God so that the truth will be active and operative, operating in your life that day. Amen. Oh hallelujah. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Because it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, the truth of what you have in Christ is always the same. So we're going to give thanks. The scripture says we go through the gates of thanksgiving into the courts of praise. We should always give thanks. So we're going to give thanks. But it's quite obvious that This purpose of God can only be fulfilled in our lives. In other words, the will of God can only be outworked in your life. Inasmuch as your soul life, your self-life, your natural life, your mind, your emotions, your will is surrendered to him. Now, that's not something you do once. It's something you do daily. See, just as you need to give thanks every day for the truth of all that God has imparted to you, so you need to live surrendered and submitted to him every day. The, the point is that if you don't do that, the soul life rises up and takes over. Right, the the soul life is your self-life, yes? What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. What's the last one? Self-control, control of the self, control of the soul. Fruit of the Spirit. You place your soul life under the Holy Spirit so he can control your self-life. Yay! Amen. You see, the point is this. Without the self-control, all the other eight things won't function in your life. The self-control, the, the control of the soul is essential for the love to flow from the spirit into your soul life, into your body, out of you. The, joy, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience. Don't try to be patient with your soul life. Your patience comes from Christ. Your patience comes from the spirit patience. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. No, no goodness in your self-life, but the goodness of Jesus. Yeah, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, because Jesus had a humble, gentle heart. Self-control. I mean, God's got it all buttoned up, hasn't he? thought of everything done a perfect work nothing missing nothing absent nothing left out supplied in every way for every conceivable possible need that could ever arise in our lives and the answers are all within you they're not stuck up in heaven within you by the Spirit so we're going to place everything afresh under the rule and the reign of the Spirit you've got to do it, I I can't do it for you I've got enough to do to keep it all under in my own life (laughs) you've got to get on with it yourself you can't do it for anybody else. You, see. you can't. I can't live a Christian life for you. You've got to live it. And God is going to hold you responsible for doing that. See. Because he's given you everything you need. All you've got to do is to operate in the fullness of what he's done. So we're going to bring everything, not, not, not just tonight, we're just acknowledging this is what I need to do every day. And then the life of the Spirit is going to flow through my life. You know what that's called? Most people call that revival. <laughs> revival is when the soul life is, is just totally under the anointing and empowering of the Spirit. That's, that's what it is. In reality, when you experience revival, that, that's what you experience. It's like living in another world, actually. You, you're sort of living in the world of the spirit rather than, than in the world of the soul. But you see, it's not a question of God, waiting for God to do something. He's done his part. And you know that before revivals, you know people pray. But what God does as they pray is he begins to deal with them, begins to deal with the soul life, begins to bring everything under his sovereign rule and reign. Hallelujah. It's going to be a good week, isn't it? Come on, let's get to our feet. Come into the middle. Oh, hallelujah. We've taken a bit of time as this is the first evening. because we need the revelation of the truth to respond to it's not it's not just a question encountering god is not just a question of having experiences of god it's encountering him in the truth so for the last hour and a bit you have been encountering you have been encountering the lord in the truth of his word so you've already had an hour and a quarter encounter now we encounter him in the spirit as we worship and pray. So fix your focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and begin to thank him. Begin to thank him. Thank you Jesus. Hallelujah. Papa Rosandari alero bacala seat it is sandari alero. Oh Papa Rosandari. Oh, thank you Jesus. Thank you, thank you Lord. Papa Rosandari alero bacala seat it is sandari. Papa Rosandari alero bacala seat it is Oh Papa Pala sandari alero bacala seat it is sandari. O Papa, para sandaria, lero bakala, sitiri sandema. O Papa, para sandaria, lero bakala, sitiri sandema. O Papa, para sandaria, lero bakala, Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Papa, para sandaria, lero bakala, Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Papara Zandaria, letto per caracitri, Sandaria, letto per caracinema. O papara Zandaria, letto per caracitri, Sandaria, letto per caracitri, Sandama. O papara Zandaria, letto per caracitri, Sandaria, letto per caracinema. O papara Zandaria, letto per caracitri, Sandaria, letto per caracinema. O papara Zandaria, letto per caracitri, Sandaria, letto per caracinema. O papara Zandaria, letto per caracitri, Sandaria, letto Oh papara sandaria l'ero bacalasin sandaria l'ero bacalasin ma thank you thank you thank you jesus, <risque> thank, you, thank, you, jesus. <scheidans> thank you thank you thank you jesus thank you thank you thank you jesus oh papara sandaria l'ero bacalasin Sandarama. O oh papara sandaria l'ero bacalasin Santama. santoma oh hallelujah 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 thank you thank you thank you jesus thank you thank you thank you jesus Papara sandare Lenama, thank you father thank you father thank you father thank you father papara sandare l'eroba calasina thank you father 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 thank you thank you father papara sandare l'eroba calasina sandare l'eroba calasina sandama O Papa Sandari, alero bakala zidri Sandari, alero ma. O Papa Sandari, alero bakala zidri Lero alero ma. O Papa Sandari, alero bakala zidri O Papa Sandari, alero bakala zidri Sandari, Santo. O Papa Sandari, alero bakala ma. O Papa Sandari, alero bakala Santo. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Papara Sandaria Leto Bacalazi to the Sandama. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Papara Sandaria Leto Bacalazi to the Oh, O Papara Sandaria Leto Bacalazi to Sandama. Exalt Jesus. oh Lord, we exalt Jesus. Papara Sandaria Leto Bacalazandama now exalt Jesus over your soul life come on exalt him oh Lord I exalt you everything in my soul life is under your spirit is under your sovereign rule and reign everything is subject to Christ so that in everything he will have the supremacy Hallelujah. I exalt you, Lord. I exalt you over every area of my life, over my thinking, over my emotions, over my will, over my relationships, over everything. I exalt you, Lord. I exalt you. I exalt you over my life. I exalt you over my life. Oh, I exalt you, Jesus. You are the head. You are my head. You are my head. You are my head. You are my head. All my life comes from you. All my life comes from you. I exalt you over every area of my soul life. I exalt you over my body. I present my body to you as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to you. Which is my spiritual worship. Hallelujah. Oh Lord, you are exalted. You are exalted. You are lifted up. You are above all in my life. Everything is subject to you. Everything is under your power. Everything is under your authority. You are my Lord. You are my King. You are my Head. Thank you, Lord, that I have no holiness of my own, but you are my holiness. I have no righteousness of my own, but you are my righteousness. I could never do anything to redeem myself, but you are my redemption. You are my life. You are my victory. Oh, hallelujah. You are my victory. Paul Alaba Sandaria Lero Bacalasi de Lisandama. Oh, Papara Sandaria Lero Bacalasi de Balandama. Oh, Papara Sandaria Lenma. You are my life. You are my joy. You are my peace. You are my power. You are everything. You are my all in all. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, I need your grace day by day to live this out. To trust in you, to trust in the one who lives within me, whose life has been imparted to me, the one who is the truth, to live every day of my life dependent upon the truth. Now, Lord, we thank you that through your mercy you put the past behind us. We thank you for the power of the blood that washes us clean from all the soulishness of the past, from all the ways in which we've depended upon ourselves in the past, from whatever has gone on in our soul life, in our bodies that has been a denial of your truth Lord, we just claim now the forgiveness, the cleansing of your blood of all those things so that they no longer exist and you make us blameless, holy and perfect in your sight through the power of your blood and we praise you and we bless you and we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we know we can't relive the past, but we can have a different future. Hallelujah. And thank you that the future is not going to be like the past. But we're going to see increasingly The life of your spirit impacting our souls, our natural life, our bodies, even more and more of your life flowing out of us, impacting the lives of other people around us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you have enriched each one of us in this room. In every way, in every way, that we lack no spiritual gift, that you have blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we say no to anything that denies the truth. We say no to all the lies of the enemy. We say no to all the temptation to place our thoughts upon ourselves and not upon you. For your word says that we are to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. So we say no to the temptation to turn in upon ourselves, to be concerned about ourselves, to fill our prayer time with concern about self instead of filling it with you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, as we exalt you over our lives tonight, so we place ourselves under your sovereign rule and reign so that your sovereign will can be outworked in our lives. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. you, Praise God. 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 Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you that you have taken possession of my spirit, that my soul life belongs to you because you purchased me with your blood, that my body belongs to you, and you have made it a temple of your Holy Spirit so that now I can glorify you in my life, spirit, soul, and body. Praise your holy name. And thank you for your word that says, you will keep me blameless in spirit, in soul, and in body. What a wonderful truth, Lord. Hallelujah. You're keeping me for yourself for all eternity. Wow, thank you, thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord, that you called me, you chose me, you sanctified me. Hallelujah. And You placed me in Christ. Gave me eternal life. And put your eternal kingdom within me, yes, yes. that I might rule and reign with you for all eternity, in this life and for everlasting. Hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Come on, let's have a great shout of praise as we finish tonight. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Oh, paparazandaria ledo bakalasitiri sandana. Oh, paparazandaria ledo bakalasitiri sandana. Oh, paparazandaria ledo bakalasitiri sandana. Hallelujah. This is our spiritual worship. That we believe in the truth and walk in the truth. This is the worship that pleases the Lord. You know, no use singing songs if we don't walk in the truth. Amen. So Lord, we thank you for all that you have done for us. Thank you, Lord, that you bring us into a greater and greater revelation of the truth so that more and more of the truth can impact our lives and we can live in the freedom that you died on the cross to give us. And we praise your wonderful and holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.